A reading from the first letter of Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. When it was evening of that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called a twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Doubting Thomas. Everyone's heard of Doubting Thomas. Even people who haven't heard of the Bible have heard of Doubting Thomas. And they know how to use the phrase as a dismissive epithet. If a woman were telling me of some harebrained, poorly conceived business venture that she was embarking on, and I, openly showing my misgivings, told her I didn't think it could possibly succeed, she might very well scold me, Oh, don't be such a doubting Thomas. And yet, if I asked her, Madam, what is an apostle, as opposed to, say, an epistle, she would look at me in mute incomprehension and possibly some alarm in regard to her personal safety. But she's heard of Doubting Thomas, and she knows how to use the phrase to great effect and quite accurately. A Doubting Thomas, not something you want to be. Quite a put-down. And that's a shame, really, that the name has stuck, Doubting Thomas. It was not our Lord he was doubting. It was the reports concerning our Lord from the other disciples 
and followers of our Lord that he was doubting. Can you blame him? Peter is declaring with great assurance, He is risen. Take my word for it. Peter, three days before this, had said, Jesus? Never heard of him. Don't know who you're talking about. Don't think I ever met him. Didn't say that once, said that three times. Thomas has got to be thinking, yeah, well, your word, Peter, would have counted for more about a week ago than it does now. (laughs) One of our Lord's followers, Mary Magdalene, had only recently been possessed by seven demons. Joining the company of the followers of Jesus, she's been released from this torment, these demons. Demons, unclean spirits, that's biblical phrasing for dissociative identity disorder, formerly called multiple personality disorder. Seven of them. She's now in recovery, has been for the last 18 months or so, and doubtless doubting Thomas wishes her well in her early and substantial recovery, as do I. But it is this woman who is now saying, remember Jesus, who was executed last Friday, dead and buried? Yeah, well, he ain't buried anymore, not even dead anymore. Got up out of the grave and walked away, and he's been appearing to me. Thomas doesn't ridicule her, doesn't dismiss her, but he just isn't sure. He has his doubts. He's got to be thinking, did she really see him, or did she really, really want to see him one more time? He questions Peter and Mary's testimony and the testimony of the other disciples. Thomas says, um, you, you know, I, I, I just feel better about this if I saw for myself. And for 20 centuries, we've called him Doubting Thomas, as though doubt were his first name. That really is extraordinarily unfair. I guess we've forgotten how honest he was. At one point, about a week before Palm Sunday, Jesus says cryptically to the disciples, Where I am going, you cannot come. And you know the way I am going. All of the other disciples smile and nod and probably mumble some Aramaic equivalent of, Well, for sure. Thomas, Thomas has the honesty to say, Well, I don't know where you're going. How could I possibly know where you're going? I want to know the way. How could I know the way? And Jesus, I am sure, with humor sparkling across his radiant smile, says, Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. You come to the Father through me. Only Thomas seems to remember that and believe it. Doubting Thomas. Maybe we've forgotten how courageous Thomas was. Maybe we've overlooked how much he loved his friend Jesus and to what lengths he was willing to go for him. He was willing to die for him. Just before this, before he enters into Jerusalem, Jesus tells them that Lazarus has died. And Jesus announces his intention to go to Lazarus's tomb by saying, Lazarus is dead, but let us go to him. Thomas briefly misunderstands 
and assumes Jesus intends to join Lazarus in death. And Thomas says, let us go up with him and die with Jesus. Peter the Rock, whom we all admire, is going to deny three times he ever met Jesus in order to save his hide. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, the man we've made fun of for two millennia, says, if Jesus is headed toward death, let us go along with him, to be there with him, to support him, to love him, to die with him. Now, he doesn't usually get all the details just right, but he always gets the really important stuff at least sort of right. I like that. Makes me feel better about myself. (laughs) This Thomas, this wonderful, brave, devoted Thomas, just doesn't believe Peter or Mary or the rest of them about the resurrection. Doesn't believe it for a minute because it depends solely, totally, exclusively on believing other people's reports. Thomas needs a personal experience of Jesus in order to believe. And Jesus knows that. It will not be good enough for Thomas to have to rely on the word of others in order to believe. Our Lord seems to hope that many people will believe without seeing, will believe because of what others say, and he accounts them blessed because of their ready faith in things that they have not personally witnessed. But he does not write off or discount those of us who do not come by our faith and conviction so gracefully, so trustingly. Once he does believe, Thomas shoots past all of the rest of them with the depth and the breadth of his belief as he cries out, My Lord and my God. Now, some people are calling Jesus Lord, some Master. Quite a few are calling him Rabbi. Mary Magdalene calls him Rabboni. The Jerusalem crowds call him Son of David, he who comes in the name of the Lord. Some call him Messiah, some call him Savior. John the Baptist calls him Lamb of God. Not a whole lot of people at this time are going around calling him God. Uh, No one, actually. Nope, not a soul. Even the archangel Gabriel at the Annunciation says to Mary, Therefore the child to be born of thee shall be called Holy, the Son of God. When you're smarter than an archangel, it makes me sit up and take notice, I'll tell you. At this time in history, it is only Thomas who maintains that Jesus is not just Son of God, not just Lamb of God, or Beloved of God, or Anointed of God, or Chosen of God, but that he is God. Thomas is way out in front on this one, doubting Thomas, of all people. The church will take several hundred years to catch up with the full sweep of Thomas's confession of faith as it seeks to define and promote and proclaim the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. All of the bishops and the finest scholars of the entire universal church will gather and talk and pray and discuss, and finally, after 300 years of this and three major ecumenical councils, they will realize and proclaim the doctrine of the Holy Trinity, that the Father and the Spirit and Jesus are all equally God. It will take the best, most devout minds of the entire assembled church three centuries 
to realize what Thomas realized and said one week after the resurrection. And for 2,000 years, we have called him Doubting Thomas. I really do think that's extraordinarily unfair. Uh, Stupid, actually. (laughs) This is no doubter in the sense of a scoffer or a cynic or a skeptic. This man is intelligent, faithful, devoted, courageous. So courageous that when everyone around him is shouting, he is risen, he is risen, Thomas can say, I don't necessarily believe that, simply because you are all saying it with so much conviction and fervor. That is a very brave thing to say under those circumstances. Thomas steadily, evenly maintains, I need to experience this for myself in order to believe. I cannot believe simply on your say-so. In the first flush of the news of the resurrection, the atmosphere must have been electrifying. There must have been enormous pressure to get swept up in that, to go along with all of that excitement, regardless of any interior misgiving, to quietly fake it if need be. But Thomas says, I'm not sure I agree with all of you. At this point, I don't yet myself believe. I need more time. I need to consider this more. I need more evidence to be convinced, since I am not yet convinced despite your exhilaration. And then he outlines what he would need. And it's not wild off-the-wall stuff. It's moderate, reasonable. He wants to encounter Jesus himself and see real wounds of a real crucifixion. And he wants to touch because he's not sure this is a real body, a real person that people have been seeing. To be sure of that reality, he would have to touch, to make contact in order to believe. Graciously enough, our Lord lets him do just that. Jesus, appearing in his resurrection body, says to Doubting Thomas, Here, put your fingers in these wounds. See that they are real. See that I am real. See this for yourself. If this is what you need to believe, this is what I will give you. I myself will offer what you need to deal with your doubts. And Thomas starts to stretch out his hand. For me, at that moment, all of the rest of the disciples just fade into the background. All I can see are these two, crystal clear, Thomas and Jesus, together, for this moment of touching, this experience of each other, experiencing each other directly one-on-one, and Thomas announcing, my Lord and my God. Thomas is not the patron saint of doubters, hero to the uncommitted. Thomas is a man of immense honor and valor, of courageous consistency and personal self-awareness, who simply will not, cannot rely on hearsay, or base his faith on second-hand reports, no matter how compelling. This man is the patron saint of those of us who realize and admit, I need to experience Christ in my own life, for myself, under conditions that I can handle, that are real and compelling for me, then I can believe. And regardless of what anyone else says, Jesus says, Okay, if that's what you need, 
That is what you will get. I will offer you the full, direct, intimate encounter that you require. I will let you experience me with the immediacy that you need in order to believe. Blessed are those who do not need so much. They will have an easier time of it. Faith will not be such a struggle for them, but for you, Thomas, and those like you who need more in order to believe, I myself will supply it. I will give you what you need. I just love Thomas, as you can probably tell. I have met people who have no doubts, no questions, no problems, never have, never will. And I admire them immensely and give great thanks for them. But like Thomas, I need more. I need personal, compelling experience. I need a personal encounter with the reality of Jesus. And good thing for me, and for others like me, we can all count on Jesus approaching us time and time again throughout our lives, saying, I know you, I know your type, you need more. You always have, you always will. Well, here it is. Do not be faithless, but believing. That is my Lord. That is my God. Me and Thomas. If you need to, come on over. No shame in joining Thomas and me. Our Lord, our God, will understand. And he will give us what we need to believe. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.